Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, and welcome, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. And Justine is actually sitting here right beside me. It was a rather eventful flight up from Costa Rica. 
Um, they had got in a little late, had about 10 minutes to make their connection, and had to go through customs. I thought it will never happen. But their plane was delayed by an hour and a half, so that was good. But then they couldn't get a pilot, so that was bad. But then they came in this morning, so that was good. And then here she is. So nice to have you here, Justine. Ah, thank you. It's so great to be here. Love to see you in person. <laughs> okay, so Sarah Ellen. It feels like we're taking, like, the big inhale about the Hypericum conference at this point, doesn't it? It does, yes. It does. That's a good way to put it. Yes, uh, before before the big mm-hmm. exhale happens. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow, what's going on at uh, your farm and your place right now? Well, how fun that Justine just flew in and is there with you because I actually flew out of Chicago on – Sunday, and I'm down here in Florida with my mother. So how how wonderful, how synchronistic. <laughs> oh, how lovely. That's grand. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. It's <laughs> a mother-daughter show. <laughs> that is so much fun. Wow. Well, yeah, I so had... Down here in the heat. Go ahead. I just said, yeah, I'm down here in the heat. I have left the zero and minus degree temperatures for a few days. <laughs> Astrid sent me a picture of her thermometer this morning, and it was a, a digital thermometer, and I thought it said 26. I said, oh, it's warming up, and she said, look again, it was minus 26. Oh, oh my, in Colorado? Yes, Steamboat. she's in Steamboat oh. Springs. She is up there. Mm-hmm. And she sent yeah. me a picture out her window. You know, the snow was almost above the windowsill. We got a lot of snow there, mm. too. Not, you know, mm. I woke up early enough this morning to see the snow. Actually, I was awakened by the, not the snowplow, but the sanding truck, which is very big and very loud and very, very bright. And uh, the lights, like, really shine in my window. So. And I actually kind of, you know, kind of, like, heard it and was stayed asleep. But then when it turned around and came back the other way, then I was, like, really and truly awake. So I was awake early enough to actually see the sun come up on the little fresh bit of snow that we got. And then, of course, it warmed up and all melted so if you weren't an early oh. riser this morning, you wouldn't have even known that it snowed. Wow, so your ground is still not covered there, huh? Nope, still green lawn. Wow. There's a little bit of the shadows because it didn't get that mm. hot. Today. It's supposed to get colder, colder. Wow. And so what a, a good time to, uh, I think this is the easing that came out about getting cold. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) about the health Mm -hmm. benefits of getting cold. And, you know, every once in a while I read something and it just sets off fireworks in my mind. And I think, oh, 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 you know, this is, this like gives me, there's a song that, that says, I get ideas. And that's exactly what happens. Getting drugs into the brain has long been a medical challenge because of the blood-brain barrier. In other words, you can put something in somebody's blood, but the brain has a special little filter that says, not coming in here. And that's the blood-brain barrier. So there's only certain things that can get into the brain. And most of the stuff that's in the blood doesn't get into the brain. But scientists say they may have found a way into the brain, which actually allows drugs to travel 
up the smell-detecting nerve cells and into the brain, says a report in New Scientist. To test the theory, researchers mimicked the effect of a stroke by stopping blood from flowing to different parts of rodents' brains, making them clumsier at reaching for food through a hole. The rats were then given a nasal spray of compounds that block another compound that inhibits brain cell growth. After two weeks of treatment, the rodent's success at food grabbing improved 60%. For the control group, only 30%. When the researchers examined the rats' brains, they found that those given the spray had developed more new nerve fibers. There is a natural regenerative power within the brain, says lead author Martin Schwab from the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich. You just have to take the brakes off to let it happen. Wow. So I immediately went... I wonder what would happen if we started rubbing hypericum oil in our noses. Mm. Wow, I love that next step that your mind went to. That's so beautiful. I thought about spraying it in the nose, and Justine said, Mm. Eek! Ouch! (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what what an interesting idea. And then I also believe, it's been a while, but I think that I once read that, especially in the plains, that medicine people would give a dose of herbs by powdering the dried herb and then blowing it into the patient's nose. Oh, wow. Again, I'm saying I think I remember this. I'm not saying this is like definite or this definitely happened, but I had this this like sense that that when I started thinking about this, I thought, yeah, right, because of course at the time I just thought, what? <laughs> so, wow, huh? Wow, wow, yeah. And I also wanted to carry on a little bit more about my um, anti-vitamin supplement bandwagon. You know me, you've known me for a long time, and you know that I have been really consistently against supplementing with vitamins and minerals for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is it doesn't work. I was part of a really interesting study, the VITAL study, which was one of the biggest studies to date done out of Harvard to look at the effects of vitamin D. Um, As a matter of fact, vitamin D in fish liver oil. They gave 25% of us blank pills, two blank pills. They gave 25% of us vitamin D, a fairly large amount, and fish oil. They gave 25% of us vitamin D but no fish oil, and 25% got fish oil but no vitamin D. And basically, they looked to see if there was differences in stroke, heart attack. Uh, they're following us out. Every year I, I'm contacted by them and, you know, talk to them about what's going on with me health-wise during the year. So they're following people out for a very long time. And they basically found that, no, supplementing with vitamin D didn't improve any outcomes. Now, this is an 
actually an editorial from one of my favorite periodicals called Nutrition Action. And Nutrition Action is for the Center for Science in the Public Interest, CSPINet.org, CSPINet.org. They're talking about Joseph Mercola, the most influential spreader of coronavirus misinformation online. In 2021, the FDA warned him not to suggest that vitamin D supplements could prevent or treat coronavirus. And YouTube, in part, banned him for spreading misinformation about COVID vaccines and also vitamin D. Most of the evidence that Mercola cites comes from observational studies which follow people and record their health outcomes. And while these studies are useful, they don't actually sort out what causes what. So this is one of the reasons why the vital study was so important. They don't say that. Researchers in the UK and Norway randomly assigned 40,000 volunteers to take a vitamin D supplement or not. This study went on for six months, different countries, same result. No impact on COVID-19 risk. And in three other trials, vitamin D showed no benefit when taken when there was a COVID-19 infection. The National Institutes of Health says there is insufficient evidence that taking vitamin D will either prevent or treat COVID-19, and I add to that, or anything else instead. Can you get vitamin D right now? You can. You can get vitamin D by eating fatty fish. You can get vitamin D by eating mushrooms. Certain mushrooms contain vitamin D, and I believe there are certain seaweeds that also contain vitamin D. And this summer, make it a goal to make lots and lots of vitamin D so you don't have to worry during the winter. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I know you did that this summer, that you really made it a goal to get enough vitamin D during the summer. Oh, yeah. I was out. Knowing that you could store it up in the winter, does that make you feel more at ease, more confident about about the winter? Yeah. Honestly, I don't give the winter a second thought as far as vitamin D in the sunlight goes. And I'm from Florida and living up north. I really don't think about seasonal affective disorder. And I appreciate the sun. I try to get out for the sunrise just about every day, even in the winter. And that does a lot. So I enjoy spending my time out in the sun. And, no, I don't feel deficient or worry about that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What else tonight? I couldn't remember whether I'd ever read this before. It was one of those weeks of going through things and filing them. So I often leave things around if I want to read them again. And so I thought, well, I wanted to read it again, so I'm going to read it to you all again, too, because it's quite lovely. Coupled with the magic of an upstate New York woodlands, where I really did meet sylvan folk in the woods when I slept in a tent on the mesa, well, you really actually start to think outside the box subsequently. I went out into the world to become an environmental scientist who specialized in phytoremediation, healing the earth and its waters of harmful contaminants with plants. It was Susan who brought this fierce echo warrior 
out in me. And that forging that took place with her has lasted a lifetime of personal evolution. Her apprenticeship never ends. If you are considering becoming an apprentice, realize that Echo Warriors, Amazons, and healers who have the right stuff are the only ones who need to apply. And if you do, you will thank yourself for doing so forever. Mm. Yes, we are already accepting people into the Green Goddess Apprenticeship and... Um, the regular apprenticeship program as well. So thank you for that bringer mm. of storms for sharing those words with us. The more I see about what happens to women on the world stage, like what went on with um, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, the, the more I am glad that I always tell you all that if a woman is going to make change in this world, she will be vilified. Get ready for it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Don't, you know, don't, don't let it make you think that you're doing something wrong. You're not doing something wrong. And I'm really glad, you know, that, that she said, um, that, that now now is the time I've given everything I have to give, and now I'm going to stop. And I really so appreciate that, and so appreciate every woman who's willing to do that. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such you know we talk about role models, and to me this is a really important role model, the role model of the woman who can say, "All right, here's what I've done, and now I'm on to something else." I'm so excited I'll be there for your first day of school. Yes. Oh, I could just imagine the grin that came from that. It's so sweet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, at 9 o'clock tonight, we're going to be talking with Tanya Oceana, a Pacific Northwest nature lover and traditional Western herbalist. She herself dealt with some health issues, which, of course, weren't dealt with well enough by regular medicine, so she turned to holistic health, nutrition, and herbalism. Okay. She's going to talk to us about just about anything we want to talk about. We want to talk about wild food, healing power of the mind, medicinal mushrooms, working with people, ancestral wisdom, ways to quit smoking her favorite recipes, seasonal support, underrated herbs. That's what I'm interested in, underrated herbs. There's a whole bunch of stuff here. We'll see how the conversation goes. Stick with us until 9 o'clock or East Coast time or come back to hear Tanya Oceana. Anything else you want to share tonight, Sarah? Oh, thanks for asking. I think I, I feel good. I'm ready to get going whenever you are. All right, let's go. All right. Um, at this time, I see that we've got one person who's pressed one to signal. Dave has a question for you, and I'll let everyone else listening know if you've got a question this evening for Susan, please press one so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. Our first listener has dialed in from the 208 area code. From the 208, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hello in the 208. 
All right. I'm not hearing anybody talk back to us. And the 208, you are live with Susan. All right. We will come back to you. And I don't see another hand going up just yet. Um, so if you've got a question for Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand and acknowledge you in the queue. Um, I have an older email question that wasn't of high time significance. Got it about three weeks ago. Um, let's see here. And I got to thank you from our email question last week to let you know that um, she really appreciated the help with the cavities information. Um, oh, and here we go. I see a second number from the 208. It looks like they're trying again to plug in. So let's check that out. From the 208, can you connect with us now from the 208? You're Hi. live with Zeus. Can- Oh, yes, now we can hear you. Hurrah. Hi, I had my car Bluetooth on. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, I'm calling for my mom. I know you don't really like to do calls for others, but she's at work tonight, so I thought maybe you could just share a little bit of insight and she'd be able to plug in and listen when she had a moment. Um, So my mom is almost 60, and she's overall pretty healthy. She is a cigarette smoker, so I think that the talk tonight will be good for her to listen to. But she's been having some heart problems. She told me a few days ago that she kind of felt like she was having some type of issues. And then she did go into the ER the other night, and she thought maybe she was having some type of heart attack issues. But they did an EKG, and it came back good. But then her blood work showed that she did have elevated heart enzymes. And so it seems like when she kind of has an episode, she's been having them periodically. And it kind of feels like heavy, heavy indigestion in the middle of her chest is what she kind of explained it to me as. And so I know Hawthorne right away to get her, and she wants to make the Hawthorne herself this summer when she can because we have Hawthorne all over. So I've been kind of getting her on the herbal journey herself, and I drink infusions regularly. So I brought her Linden down today and hoping that she can really get on her regular infusion kick herself, but... I was wondering if there was just anything kind of that would jump out for you to let me know or to um, send to her. Well, you know that I love motherwort. Yeah, so motherwort too. That's what, um, that's what I kind of thought. Motherwort, I'm just a big motherwort lover. One of the things about the hawthorn is that it's renowned for working slowly. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to guess that she's in a place where she wants something that's going to Make her feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the mother wart will probably be able to do that for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so she should, has should you try them both people. or kind of just it, well, um, if, focus first on First of all, wart. it kind of relieves anxiety. And there's mm-hmm. a, you know, there's a really interesting, like, back and forth because, because you get anxious and that kind of constricts your heart and then your heart is constricted and then you're anxious because your heart feels constricted and then because you're anxious, you know, it's like... So it goes back and forth in a way that doesn't lead to ease and motherwort interrupts that cycle mm-hmm. and brings ease so that we're not so anxious, not right. so concerned. Yeah, that's and but we're right not to be so anxious and concerned because motherwort is so tremendously healing to the heart. I also like that Hawthorne increases the heart muscles ability and motherwort seems to act more 
on restoring and regenerating capillary action around the heart so that the heart mm-hmm. gets a renewed amount of oxygen and nutrients so that as Hawthorne is improving the muscular capability, those muscles are getting more oxygen and more nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And she can make the mother work too. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I haven't found it where we live, but I want to keep looking, and I just want to kind of get a grow bed going if I could get it cultivated at our place. And you live where? We live in North Idaho, so it's um, kind of oh. up in the panhandle of Idaho. Yeah, it, I think it will grow there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you should be able to get it established. It's a mint. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've worked with it myself some, and I you grow really lemon balm. Work with it more. Yeah, we have lemon balm, so we do have that on. The you can grow there. lemon balm. You can grow motherwort. Mm-hmm, that's what I thought. So if I just can't find it, I thought I'd be able to get it kind of imported for me and do a grow bed of it at least. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, well, you know, be sure that you buy it from somebody who uses the fresh plant rather than the dried. To right. Make the yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, if you could get your mom to drink nourishing herbal infusions, well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, right? Right. That's what I thought the linden would be a good one for today for her. Yes. Start there. Rotate her through all of them. They're so wonderful. All righty. That makes me feel like I'm thinking of the right thing for her. You certainly are. You're doing such a great job sharing people's medicine. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan, and I'm thankful to be able to tune in and hear the blog talk. Thank you for sharing that space for us all. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Thank you. All right, and it looks like we have three hands that have gone up in the queue. And the next caller has dialed in from the 203 area code. From the 203, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Um, hi. Um, I'm 53 years old, and I hadn't um, been to the gynecologist or had a mammogram in, I don't know, 8 to 10 years or something. And I um, found your books recently. I first found your new menopausal years, and I started to dive into that, and then um I found a lump in my breast, and so I went to my doctor who first helped to birth my three now-grown sons, and um, so he did send me for a mammogram, and I was feeling kind of iffy about all of that, but I did go for those tests, and they did some ultrasounds too, and um, it turned out that that lump I found was a cyst, so I'm not... Now, concerned about that, I have your breast health book as well as your new menopausal year, so thank you for all of that. It's been very helpful to me. Um, And so I'm using um, warm cabbage compress on the cyst and some castor oil now and drinking some burdock root infusion. Um, And I have um, reduced the pain in from that which has been really helpful and I think slowly but surely the size is starting to change um, but from those mammograms and the ultrasound um, the radiologist sees three like masses or spots 
in my other breast. And so right away they went on, when I was in the hospital for these tests, they went on this road of, okay, we need to get you in, we need to get this biopsy, we need to do this and that. And at the end of the day, it was quite overloading. And um, I sat with that and I decided that was not what I wanted to do. And um, so um, what I have decided, though, is after talking to the radiologist again, that he seems to feel that there's one spot where he would really like to have this biopsy. And um, so I've been working with, with my body and thinking about what's right for me, and I feel like I will have more solid information if I go through with this one biopsy in this one spot. So um, I understand that you feel that, and I really understand that they promote your feeling that, but I don't agree that it's true. Mm. Tell me more. You can't prove a negative. Say that if again? They, you can't prove a negative. If they do a biopsy and mm-hmm. they don't find cancer, you haven't proved that it's not cancer. Mm-hmm. But if they do find cancer... Then it is cancer, but you can't prove the negative is what I'm saying. You can prove right. The positive. You can prove the positive, but you can't prove the negative. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they are so aware that they can't prove the negative that if they do a biopsy and they don't find cancer, then they're going to want to sign you up for, if you're lucky, just yearly mammograms, and if not, every six months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're now going to be high risk because you had a biopsy. Mm-hmm. So not only do you not have a guarantee that more information will be useful information, you do have a guarantee that any kind of information is going to put you deeper into that system. And that might be where you need and want to go, and it might not. Mm-hmm. And so my sense always is take a little more time. Mm-hmm. Take a little more time. Really live with it. Be with it. Think of different things that you want and find out if you can get them. What kind of biopsy do they want to do? That was the question I was going to ask him tomorrow afternoon because I'm not sure about that. I saw in your book there's like an open and a closed. Um, yes, in other words, they yeah. can stick a big needle into your breast mm-hmm. and draw out tissue and biopsy it, mm-hmm. which in many respects is much safer for you. Mm-hmm. Or they can go in and actually do full anesthesia, cut open your breast, take some tissue from your breast, and sew you back up again. Mm. 
So one of my questions for you today is if I were to go ahead with the biopsy, Mm -hmm. then what would be your recommendations to prepare my body for that? The things you've been doing all along and especially the things you've been doing in the past year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, mm-hmm. moving, right, having friends and people that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what would happen if you used the same castor oil and um, hot cabbage leaf on both breasts. Mm. Okay. One of the My things name. that I, one of the things that I notice is that it doesn't take a whole lot for someone who's aware of themselves to get a response. So if you start putting that castor oil and that cabbage leaf on your other breast, I think that you're going to get that the other breast is going to say, "Oh yeah, go for this. This is good. Don't cut into me yet. Just give me this." Or the breast Mm -hmm. is going to say, "Who are you kidding? Mm -hmm. Cabbage?" (laughs) Although it sure does stop the pain fast, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes. And I always tell the silly story about when the the doctor said to uh, my sweetheart, you need a cabbage. And I looked at him and I said, you only use cabbage? And he went coronary artery bypass graft cabbage. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking that a next good step is I was reading about um, in your book about about breast massage and in oil infused infused oils basically um that's where i got to next um mm-hmm. well have you ever heard anybody say that women shouldn't do breast self-exams no. the reason they say that <laughs> is because it's not a very big chance but there's possibility if there is cancer and it's a diffuse cancer in the breast that actually massaging the breast could spread it And um, think that what I heard you say is that there aren't masses in the other breast, but areas. Mm-hmm. And so, since breast cancer isn't one thing, but literally hundreds of things, before engaging in rubbing oil mm-hmm. into my breast. Again, I would ask mm-hmm. or do it a little bit and stop. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to dye your hair, you put some of the dye in the crook of your elbow, right? See if mm-hmm. you're going to react to it before you put it all over your scalp. Mm-hmm. So give yourself a chance and try out various things. And it might be that, yeah, you know, what you really need and want is a, a biopsy 
but then I, I then I would say, okay, now what you believe that right now you really need is a biopsy because you believe you have cancer and you need the evidence of it so that you can receive treatment. What kind of treatment are you going to get? Because that has to be part of the equation too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're looking for information, it's a good idea to have some idea of what you're going to do with that information. Mm-hmm. And it's not the only way to get information. Right. And I talk about that in Abundantly Well, right? <laughs> that we gather wisdom as well as information. And the wisdom sometimes comes slowly. It comes from taking a long walk by yourself. It comes from actively seeding dreams, right? Drinking enough water that you have to get up in the middle of the night to pee and seeing if there's a dream that's there. Mm-hmm. Whatever you can do to invite yourself to communicate with yourself how yourself would best like this to be done. If indeed you have cancer, there will be things that you will choose to do that yourself will say, I do not want to do this. And you will say to yourself, too darn bad. Because if we don't do this, you won't even be able to say, I don't want this because we'll be dead. So we're going to do this even though you don't want it. At that, I, I certainly was there. Mm-hmm. You can know what is going on in your body. Mm-hmm. I went in and demanded biopsies for both of my cancers. I felt them, I knew them, and I had a hard time, especially in the first one, convincing anybody to do a biopsy because I didn't meet their criteria. Mm. Right? I wasn't in pain. I wasn't bleeding. I didn't have diabetes. I was a very healthy person. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to tell them, no, I'm not going to do anything. You can tell them, I need... X amount of time to think about this, and then I'll get in touch with you and tell you whether or not I'm going to do the biopsy, and you can still ask questions. Yeah. While you're waiting. That's what I've been doing so far, and this radiologist who was new to me until a month or two ago, you know, has has been, he's been actually, like, really patient. He's not been what I expected, and he's been just, I don't know, he's just been a good listener, I'd say. Good. Um, so I feel good about that. Right. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. You know, if anything, this has given me time back to myself, time to slow down, time to reflect on my body more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. Wherever it takes you, you will have 
the resiliency and the health to move through it. Mm. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Great blessings. Good night. Green blessings. All right. And there are three callers that have pressed one to signal that they have a question. The next caller is dialed in from the 858 area code. From the 858, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. I'm so excited to talk to you. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. First, I wanted to share with you that I've been doing the herbal infusions now for three months. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm just so grateful. I just love them. Yay. And started, yeah, and I just started sharing them with my husband, who loves them as well. So. Thank you so much. Mm. Mm. You are welcome. I'm so glad that he is open to it and willing to join you in the adventure of the infusions. Yeah, he is just super excited. He just feels so nourished, and his favorite is Linden. So that's what we're drinking today. Ah, marvelous. Yeah, yeah. So I have um, two questions. Um, my first question is about tinnitus or tinnitus. Uh-huh. So I'm very curious um, what information you have to share with me about that. I've had it now for, oh, it's been quite a few years. And really, I would say just this past six months, Mm-hmm. Um, the volume has really increased. Um, I, I have known some... I have known quite a few people who are bothered by the noises they hear in their ears, mm-hmm. and I've gone to some very interesting workshops about what might be causing it and what can possibly be done to change it. You're not alone. There are millions and millions of people who experience sounds rush, ranging from the sound of rushing water to almost clanging bells. Mm. On the occasion when I hear things that aren't there, what I would describe it as is static. Mm. And I just say to myself, oh, you're just hearing all the electromagnetic signals that are rushing through the air. Just <laughs> tune it down. Bring mm. up serotonin. And interestingly enough, and you know, there's a whole class of drugs called serotonin reuptake inhibitors, right? So you make mm. serotonin in your brain, makes you feel pretty good. And then you suck it back up. So the reuptake inhibitors keep it in your brain longer Mm. and calm it down. And interestingly enough, it is extremely simple and easy to increase the amount of serotonin in your brain just by telling your brain to do it. I've done this with thousands of people. Mm. So you find a place where you can sit It's nice if it's in nature, but it doesn't have to be. And you close your eyes and you listen. And you give yourself a little time. It doesn't have to be very long. Just a little time to listen. And then you start telling your brain, make 
make more serotonin, make more serotonin, make more. And you see what happens. Do you, do you hear differently? And you will hear differently. And you can make your serotonin level go up and down and see how it affects your ability to take in sensory information. Mm. Okay. So that's my best bet about it. Because most people don't have any real way to make it totally go away. There's some training programs where you listen to certain sounds, and it gives mm-hmm. some, you know, depending on the program, it retunes your ear or it blocks out the other sound. Or, or and I'm not saying they don't work because everything does mm-hmm. work for some people some of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the. But there is, uh, you know, there is a lot of electromagnetic static out there, isn't there? Yes. And so from, the sun, from the sun to all the satellite, geosynchronous satellites out there and down closer, 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 right? It, there's, it's all going on. Love you. Bye-bye, Justine. See you tomorrow. Love you. Good night, everybody. There they go, off into the wintry cold, the Costa Rican visitors. <laughs> tropical beaches. She says she's going to go home and dream of tropics, tropical beaches. <laughs> Thermometer's heading down here. So, uh, so does that, that uh, seem like something that, that might be useful to you? Hello? Am I disconnected? Hello? Hello? Who am I talking to? Am I talking to the person who called? Am I talking to Sarah Ellen? Hi. Hi, this is Sarah Ellen. I see the 858. Are you still with us, 858? I think her phone might be cutting out a bit. It uh, it sounds like I'm getting a little like, parts of it, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I see. It's yeah. my fault. I was talking about electromagnetic things, and the phone got mad at me. Let <laughs> <laughs> to prove it. Yes, <laughs> well, we can come back to the eight five eight and check in with the next caller in the meantime. Okay. All right. Let's see. Okay. From the nine, from the nine oh eight, from the nine oh eight area code, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Carol from New Jersey. Hi. Hey, Carol. How are you tonight? Oh, great. Thank you so much. Um, Can you review again how to um, sign up for the Hypericum Conference? Sarah Ellen, tell us, please. Okay. Do you receive the easing from Susan? If you do, that is well, the easiest place to look in the January 24th easing. And I think it's there in this week's easing, too. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. it likely is. I will I think it could be there every, every week. Okay. And, yeah, follow um, the directions. The easing is going to an email that I'm not using. So if I... Um, email Allie. Uh, could she help me uh, switch the easing into my rec- new email, the email that I'm using? 
Well, you may be able to do that on your own since it's a new email address. I can also just provide you with the link directly right now if you have a pen handy to write it down. I do. Yes, um, I'm ready. Okay. So at least you'll be able to get your registration taken care of and the deadline, yes. you won't have to worry about that. That's www.wisewomanschool.com forward slash P as in people. S-J-W, as in St. Jones Wart, C-O-N, N, as in conference, con. Yeah, conference. S-J-W, okay. con. conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, P-S-J, yep, dot com. Wisewomanschool.com slash P slash S-J-W-C-O-N. Perfect. Okay. Um, and that, that that's extraordinary. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Um, I know you've been working on this tremendously. Um, Susan, and hello, uh, everybody. Send in your Hypericum shorts. It's one of my favorite parts of the conference. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be teaching anything. The shorts are there for you to share your experience just push that little button that turns the camera around so you can take a selfie video and just look at the camera and say, I've used Hypericum oil as a sunscreen and it didn't do anything at all. I got really sunburned. Or I used it as a sunscreen and wow, it worked super. Whatever it is you have to say about Hypericum, your relationship, using the oil, the tincture, anything at all, love those shorts. (laughs) Wonderful. Yes. yes. Wonderful. Um, uh, one more thing, to, or actually two little things. Um, what, the gas stove issue, they're, they're coming out that the gas stoves aren't good for us. Uh, do you have any uh, opinion on that for us? Life is terminal. Do you live in a city where there's a lot of pollution? If so, what's coming from your gas stove will contribute to that. Uh Do you live in a place where nothing much is happening in the air? Then the gas stove is going to be inconsequential. Do you live in a place where regularly... There are huge fires that require you to actually filter your air. Then maybe you don't want to have a gas stove. Maybe you don't want to push yourself that way because you're already pushing yourself by living in a place that burns down or burns Mm. up, burns away. You have to kind of think, you know, what's going on and really what's going on here. And I think this is interesting and fairly important is that in government paid for things, there will be fewer gas appliances. And this probably will improve the health of the people who are living in those situations. Okay. 
because those are often going to be situations in which the air quality is very bad. In often situations, which we're now calling food deserts, places where it's very hard for people to get any kind of food at all, let alone really good food. And we're not talking about good restaurants. We're talking about the ability just to go out to a store and shop. So if you're not getting good food and you're living where the air quality is very bad and you're living in subsidized housing of some kind and there's not going to be a gas stove there, I suspect that that will be beneficial. Okay. Should you rip out your gas stove from your kitchen right now and replace it with electric? Life is always filled with such trade-offs and complications because then you have to ask yourself, how is electric being generated? Are they burning coal so they're carrying down mountains to buy, you know, to get coal so that I can have an electric stove? Right. So I wish that it was just, you know, a, a very simple equation, but it, of course it rarely is. Right. Okay, thank you so much. And my question to you is, I know your birthday's coming, and I'm very excited for that. February, right? That's right, February 8th. Yes. And uh, we will have a, a, yeah, we'll have a session before that. Yeah, Tuesday the 7th will be before yes. your birthday. Yep. Yes. So I, I, I wondered if you could explain, Susan, you're you're so active, you're so vital, you're, you, you know, uh, I I I don't know how you keep creating new ideas and and having more apprentice apprentices and doing e-zines and conference. What? How can you be more inspired like you? I mean, you just you have your passion. You know where you're going, and you just you have your talk time tonight. I, I don't know how you do all the things that you do. Have you, have you ever been to a circus and seen somebody <laughs> juggle? Juggle, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so most of the time they juggle with three things, right? Yeah. But then occasionally they add like a fourth or a fifth thing, right? Uh-huh. And it's basically the same thing. Okay. You're, right? You're throwing it up and catching it. Throwing it up and catching it. And then let's really stay at the circus and imagine the person who's, uh, like, got um, a stick knee and they're spinning a, a, a plate on the top of that stick and they've, they've got a hula hoop and they've got the hula hoop going and they've got a ball that they're bouncing. <laughs> and have, have you ever seen anybody doing an act like that? Yeah, I, I can imagine it. Yeah. yeah. So... You don't start them all at once. Mm. You start them one at a time, and each one develops its own rhythm, and then you only have to be there rhythmically. When you're juggling five objects, you're touching each one rhythmically. You're not holding on to any of them. So interestingly enough, the more you are willing to let go, the more you can do. Mm, wow. 
explain a little more the more you let go? Yes, it, you're not juggling if you try to hold on to the objects, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In order to juggle, you have to throw the object up in mm-hmm. the air and away from mm-hmm. yourself. And trust that it will come back down and take the other object and put it into your other hand. And you have to keep doing that rhythmically. Up and over, up and over, up and over, right? That's how you juggle. By letting go. (laughs) By tossing it away, in fact. Oh, right. So I'm a very curious person. And I've been privileged to lead a life in which that curiosity has always been in, indulged and indulgeable. Mm. I subscribe to, I don't know, you know, close to 100 different periodicals. Oh, wow. While I've been talking on the show and Justine's been sitting here, she's been looking at the new Scientific American with a cover mm. story which is a great cover image. Life as we don't know it. How mm. to search? How to search for aliens that are nothing at all like us? Mm, goodness gracious! Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but... this keeps my brain very active, right? Susan, I don't mm. have to read every word in that Scientific American. I can just look at the cover. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like I'm like forcing myself to like do all these things. I'm again to me, it's indulging myself. I indulge my curiosity. I subscribe to all these things because I'm curious about them. Of course, I don't have time to read every single word and every one of them, but I don't make that a stressor. I'm, I'm not. I'm not supposed to. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Keep coming back to the sea sponge. sponge. The only organism on the planet that survived every mass extinction and is still trucking is the sea sponge. (laughs) And how it lives is to take everything in, keep what's useful to it, and spit the rest out. And in fact, what we find out if we're really willing to spit out everything that isn't nourishment to us is that many of those things are going to be nourishment to others. Sometimes we keep things, especially as women, from the mistaken belief that we're protecting others from them. And I don't know um, that there's anything better for any of us than people that we can bounce off of and investigate with. It's so important that we give ourselves permission to make mistakes. Oh, that's wonderful, Susan. Well, if 
you, if you sit down and you say to yourself, what's the difference between being young and being old? That's one of the big differences, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That young people forgive themselves their mistakes, and we forgive young people their mistakes. But the older we get, the less forgiving we become of our own mistakes. And in fact, we may even spend time, you know, retrograding and thinking about mistakes we've made in the past. That that's a real blunder. Yeah, right. For sure. Because you don't really know whether it was a mistake or not. Mm, good point. So, my no blame, no shame, no guilt allows me to use more of that hundred units of energy that I believe every human being has outward. I really think every single one of us has the same amount of energy. It's a hundred units. And the difference between what some are putting out and others are putting out is how much it requires for the inner goings on. It, you know, it's like that moment after the surgery in the hospital when I realized I could either heal myself or take care of myself, but not both. Mm. I not only needed pretty much 100% of my energy inside, I needed to decide where that energy was going inside. Yes. Care yes. of myself was going to require my interacting with people outside, and I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and again, not shaming or blaming or guilt-tripping ourselves with the belief that it's supposed to be balanced, that it should be 50% in and 50% out. No, it's got to be varied. Right then, at that time, I needed 100% in. Oh, yes. Mm. Such wisdom. Yeah, well, that's... That's what I see about the the people who do the most. Right now, I'm listening to Hillary Clinton read her book, What Happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've always yeah. liked I've always liked Hillary. Yeah. And I am listening to her. I am having this incredibly growing admiration for her and the work mm. that she has done all her life for women and children. Mm. And just episode after episode in which she really shows me, you know, uh, where her heart is. Mm. Yes. So um, I think that I think that's what you really want to focus on. Where's your heart? Oh, yes. And everything else just comes comes from, it just comes flowing out from there, right? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, you are more than incredible. You're, you're what, just, what does Chris Williamson say? She says, "Filling up and flowing over its head, endless waterfall. Filling up and flowing over, over Thank you so much for calling. Thank you so much, Carla. Oh, a lot. 
thank you and preparing for your birthday. I love you so much. And I'm so thankful that we have you, Susan, and that you give of yourself so generously. And and what a blessing to have Justine with you. Hi, Justine. Hey. Hey. Oh, love you. Blessings. Good night. Blessings. All right. I'll remind everyone listening, if you've got a question this evening and would like to speak live with Susan, please press 1 so that we can see your hand in the queue. We'll check back in with 858. Um, And the 858, are you here with us? I hope I am. Am I? Hello, goody. (laughs) I'm sorry, that is my reception and is not the best in my house. I understand. I live in a quarry. My reception is awful. Mm, Yeah. So, Susan, I'd like to share something with you that um, is in relation to potentially uh, something that can heal tinnitus. And I was just curious of your opinion. Oh, thank Um, you. How exciting. Yes, so I'm going to read. This is about um, using nicotine to heal the tinnitus. So it says, and I'm not interested. This is about like the tablets and the gum that you chew. So I'm I'm beyond that because I don't want to chew that gum. Um, so I'm I'm going to try using tobacco. So I'll read this to you first, and then you can share with me what you think. So it says, um, so someone was asking about tinnitus, and it says, nicotine gum or tablets enhances hearing. People who develop tinnitus or loss of hearing have reported using nicotine gum has stopped the tinnitus and improved the hearing. The auditory pathway to the sensorial sensorial cortex responsible for hearing is a nicotine pathway. What this means is that the receptor to open the door to the pathway prefers nicotine above all else. It is speculated that toxins such as the spike protein block that pathway such as the spike protein block, that pathway interfering with hearing and causing tinnitus. There's a treatment for tinnitus and hearing loss. The the nicotine from cigarette smoke does not work because the lungs, when you take nicotine, is the body ejects whatever is blocking the receptor, such as the COVID spike, and grabs onto the nicotine. Nicotine is a safe product for the human body. Cigarettes are an unsafe delivery of nicotine because the lungs cannot use it properly, and it delivers many deleterious and cancerous agents. The prescribed amount is two milligrams twice per day. That is half a stick of nicotine. If you feel sick, blah, 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 blah. Use tolerated, gradually increased to the recommended dose. Usually after three to five days, the tinnitus stops and hearing begins to improve. Use the gum daily for one month, then use it once a week thereafter. Here is one study done with healthy young people. Apparently there are more than more, uh, but unable to find them. So 
when your doctor tells you there is nothing that you can be done other than steroids and painful injections, you may want to try this out. So, uh, out. Yeah, right? Wow. I um, am not choosing to use the gum because of all the other garbage that's in it. Um, but I have a friend who's bringing me tomorrow some, you know, pure tobacco. So I was just curious. Like some organically grown real tobacco. Yeah. And how are you going to get the nicotine from that? Are you going to... um, Chew it. You can just chew it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to try it, and I can let you know. <laughs> Please. This is fascinating. I really appreciate your calling and sharing this. It's so delicious how we can take care of each other. Yeah. And how I'm so- the information that, that we need um, seems to bubble up. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, hooray, let's see if nicotine um, from good tobacco can help your ear eject the things that are causing the tinnitus. Is that what it said? Mm, let's see. So, um, Eject. Let's see. Now, let's see. now or developed tinnitus. Look here. The auditory pathway. Let's see. Responsible mm-hmm. for. Then what does the tobacco do? What does it say the tobacco does? It says <laughs> that what this means is that the receptor to open the door to the pathways prefers nicotine above all else. It is speculated that toxins such as the spike protein, uh, interfering with hearing and causing tinnitus. There is a treatment for tinnitus. The cigarette smoke does not do that. Um, What happens when you take the nicotine in the body is the body ejects whatever is blocking the receptor and grabs onto the nicotine. Checks whatever's blocking the receptor and grabs the nicotine instead. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Of course, I'll have to figure out, you know, like how much. Uh, but I'm not exactly. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it says two milligrams, but I don't know. I'll have to how figure out. How much is out. in it? How much? To, yeah, how to figure out how much you're going to get by chewing it. Right. Right. But it's amazing that it says it can work in three to five days. Like, wow. Wow. Especially because people generally have tinnitus for long periods of time. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you've been dealing with it for a fair amount of time. Yes, I would say five years. Um 
but really only the last year has it really increased where I can hear it, you know, throughout my day. Um, it's not just that when I lay down, you know. Right. It used to be when there was nothing else to hear, and now it's all the time. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm very careful. You know, I unplug everything. I I turn the Internet off at night. Um, so I do the best that I can um, in that way. Um, but, yeah, I just um, – <laughs> but I really appreciate your, you know, sharing with me about uh, that body consciousness and just really being aware and being present with my thoughts and really speaking to my body. Yeah. Good. So I look forward to hearing back from you about yeah. uh, your experience with tobacco. Nicotine. Yes. Yes. And may I ask you my one more question? Absolutely. Um, my son is 12 and a half, and... I probably know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. So he has lots of growing pains um, in his legs. It's always in his thighs. Uh, and he he's just growing, growing, growing. Um, but I imagine that potentially Humphrey could be helpful for him. I remember those growing pains. Do you remember them? They really hurt. Mm. And... Uh, I was told, I don't know if it's true, I haven't checked it out recently, but I was told that it was because my bones were growing so fast. So I think you're on to something with the comfrey idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that, that it might ease that. Um, and I actually um, remember being told that if I would um, walk more, that I would have less pain. The, like the tinnitus, the pain for me really struck when I laid down to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Is that his mm. experience as well, that it's, that it's worse when he tries to lay down? Yes, absolutely. It's when he yeah. rests. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I remember the doctor saying, well, if you walk more, you you will exercise your legs in a way that they won't do that when you lay down. He's very active, though. <laughs> That's what I said, too. And the doctor said, I'm not talking about running around. I'm actually talking about walking. Okay. Hmm. And I thought, oh. And again, you know, it's kind of one of the themes this evening is the um, ryth- rhythmicity. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, um, especially when children are active, they're doing things that aren't rhythmical. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty hard to walk and not be rhythmical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, it is, you know, there's also walking meditation. Not that he has to meditate. Mm-hmm. But it's it it, it does um, have the ability to change the frequencies of what's going on in your brain, 
And there's this great quote that I put in abundantly well, and it says, if exercise were a drug, it would be sold on the black market. And not necessarily what we think of as exercise, but simple, simply walking. As a matter of fact, a study just came out, it was a long-term study, that found that walking as little as 11 minutes a day conferred strong health benefits. Mm. Mm. I think most it's, of us can most of us can pull off eleven minutes a day. Yes, yeah. one of my favorite exercises, walking. Yeah, yeah. I am and, grateful, and, and it builds I, friendships too. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I um. Um, I am able to, you know, if his legs are bothering him, I do, he he does have a mommy who will massage his legs every night, and I use Arnica, um, and it can be the difference between a good night's sleep for him. I think so. so that's wonderful. I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're using homeopathic Arnica or Arnica oil? I mean, no, I'm using the gel. The, the gel, which is homeopathic you will get a much bigger response from the actual Arnica oil. Okay, the Arnica oil. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The gel is fabulous, and I keep it on hand. And um, whenever I smack myself up, which happens with alarming frequency, I need (laughs) Arnica gel right away. Smack. Right. And um, I just missed the top stair and fell through the door and into the kitchen, you know, took the skin right up the front of my shin and was all swollen up. And I didn't put the arnica in the broken area, but I put it all all around and thank goodness, you know, no bruising. Wow, yeah. Actually, my first experience with arnica was we had been out mountaineering and we had made base camp at 11,000 feet Actually, first at 8,000 and then at 11,000, and then we were hiking 14,000-foot peaks. And we came down the whole way down. And, of course, we were in, like, Boulder, so we were already over, you know, 5,000 feet. So we didn't Mm. come down to sea level, but it was still a big Mm. hike down, down, Mm. down, 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 down in one day. And the front of my legs, I thought I was just going to, like, die from the pain in the front of my legs and they threw me in a bathtub and threw arnica flowers in with me and then got me out of the hot bath and rubbed arnica oil all over my legs and I was ready to run a marathon. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so, Susan, is the oil something I could get at the health food store or yeah I think you I think you can it's usually an item of commerce it's arnica oil it's just the the arnica flowers infused usually in olive oil okay okay we do use like the tabs if he needs you know to put them under his again homeopathic arnica wonderful yeah and I think you'll be amazed for massaging his legs at what happens with the actual arnica oil Okay. I'm All right. going to try to keep yeah, so much fun. <laughs> yes, and, and I just want to thank you because I have learned 
so much from you, and I just appreciate all that you share. And today I learned, you know, about, I know about the, you know, the the healing of comfrey, but my husband has been having a, a lot of pain. He's a chef, so he has a lot of pain in his left arm. Um, and he's been doing a lot of different things, but today I realized, Let's just soak you in the infusions and wrap you with the, you know, wrap you with the, the comfrey, um, you know, the infused comfrey after I use it to make, um, you know, what do you call it? A poultice, a fomentation, a compress. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful idea. Great idea. Wrap him up yeah. in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or soak either one sounds soak great. him right. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So, so next time I call, I'll let you know about that as well as the tinnitus. So. <laughs> Thank you. All right. To be continued then. Okay. Blessings. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, and there are three three callers that have a raised hand. 512 is the next dialed in. From the 512, you are live with Susan. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Hi. 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 What's up? Um, so recently, I hurt my back. And, like, I, what did I want to know? Okay. Basically, I, like, sorry. I picked my friend up, and he's, like, 200 pounds, and I hurt my back. And then, like, I did a whole bunch of stuff, like, lifting stuff after that, and it hurt really bad. I'm sorry that you're in pain. It's always a drag to be in pain, isn't it? It's so frustrating. It feels like, ugh, you know, how can this be happening? I should be able to just, like, make it go away. And yet, and yet, thinking about it doesn't make it go away. Sometimes it even makes it worse. It feels, mm, you know, really, really kind of unfair. And and just because you picked up a two hundred pound person, I mean, your body shouldn't be upset about that. So one yeah. of the things, of course, that I think is pretty obvious here, is that you do need to apologize. You really need to tell your body that you're sorry that you picked up a 200-pound person and that you won't do it again, right? Because basically what it's doing is it's armoring itself for the next time you do that. Right? It's pretty convinced now that it can't trust you and that you're going to be picking up heavy loads and then it's just going to have to, like, get stiff and hurt you to keep you from doing that. And if you apologize and say, ooh, yo, won't be doing that again, interestingly enough, your body and your back can relax a little. So you're saying that it's not temporary? I'm like, saying that it's fairly temporary. Need, like my body's gonna, is my body going to fix it myself or but, but, you know, what happens with back pain is that it becomes chronic because people say, well, it's just temporary, it'll go away, and then they do the thing that hurt them again and again. Yeah. And then they have a chronic pain. So by, you know, really being able, you know, to, to 
to just say mm, that that was that was really hard that I picked up. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that again. Then what you do is you give your body a reason to get less hard. You are hurting because of hardness. Right, your back has had to get hard to protect you. And so in order to make it stop hurting, we need to make it softer. And in order to be softer, it has to be willing to relax. So I just need to relax. Right. Now, what else makes your back relax? Does hot water make your back relax? Somewhat. Then Uh, use hot water if it works for you. For some people, a heating pad is better. Oh, we do have a heating pad. That might might be helpful for your back. And again, the image that we're giving is, I'm not going to do this to you again. You can relax. I apologize. Right? Right now, what's really important to me is that you and I get in a position where you're not hurting so much because it's really hard for me to take care of you when you're hurting so much. So let's have you hurt less, and then I'll be able to take care of you better. Yes. Yes. Right? right. Meanwhile, are you using any herbs that relieve pain? Uh, You could say that. And are you using any drugs that relieve pain? No, ma'am. Okay. Drugs that relieve pain have their usefulness, especially at the onset of pain. When we have overused ourselves and hurt ourselves through that overuse, then non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs actually stop the chronic pain cycle and interfere with the building of neural pain pathways. So short-term use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, especially if you don't use them as an excuse to go out and re-injure yourself, um, can, can be helpful beyond what we might think. In other words, we might think, oh, I'm just, you know, indulging myself and taking this drug to ease my pain. But no, in fact, you're really giving your body an improved ability to heal by using it short term. Mm. You know, and by short term, we're talking about 10 days or less. Right? And that's really, again, to promote relaxation. These drugs are non-steroidal, anti-inflammatories. They're not just painkillers. They're anti-inflammatories, and your back's inflamed. It's inflamed and it's managed. So do you have any um, suggestions for anything that I can use or take? Well, in addition to non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, there's a nice variety of herbs that help relieve pain. They generally have to be taken repeatedly, and um, they will will work very differently for different people. California poppy 
is one that a lot of people like because it's quite similar to Poppy in the way that it works, but it's not addictive. Poppy, unfortunately, yeah. great painkiller that it is, is quite addictive. Laudanum and all of that, you know, made a great nation of addicts to it. Um, I favor Skullcap, but I do have the privilege of living where Skullcap grows and being able to harvest it fresh. And I find that there's really quite a difference in the pain-relieving qualities of the tincture of fresh Skullcap and the tincture of dried Skullcap. So I've been able to, you know, relieve, like when I broke my wrist, I used Skullcap tincture to allow me to sleep. And I would sleep, take a small dose of Skullcap tincture, say three, three to six drops. And then I could sleep for two hours, and then the pain would wake me up, and I'd take another dose of the tincture. Okay. So um, I, for myself, I have certainly used that with very good success. Philopendula. Philopendula is a member of the rose family, and it contains salicin, which is the active ingredient in aspirin. It works pretty much the same as aspirin. Gretchen turned me on to it. She makes a salve with it. And she says that she has to warn people that if they use the salve, they could actually injure themselves because the numbing effect of the philopendula is so powerful that they won't realize they're hurting themselves. I find that the tincture of it is a really nice, um, what I call a non-drowsy painkiller. Skullcap, hey, Skullcap is going to make you a little sleepy. That's why I use it at night. All right? But the Philopendula is a good daytime pain reliever. It's not going to... Philopendula with a P. I'm sorry, with an F. F-I-L-I. Philopendula. F-I-L-I-P-E-N. D-U-L-A, Philopendula, Omeria, U-L-M-A-R-I-A. That's the tincture of the fresh plant, any of the above-ground parts of the plant. And then you may have heard the story of my being at the psychedelics conference in Tucson and someone saying to me, you look like you're in pain, and am I agreeing that I was in a lot of pain? And she showed up the next day with tincture of melalotus. She actually had Melalotus alba, but Melalotus officinalis works too. And I put three yeah. drops of that tincture in the palm of my hand and licked it up, and wow, it diminished my pain, I would say, by half within five minutes. So, what is it called Melalotus, M-E-L-L-I-L-O-T-U-S, Melalotus, which means honey flower. Melalotus officinalis is the yellow-flowered one, and the alba is the white-flowered one. They're pretty much the same. Common roadside clover plant, tincture of the fresh flowering top. And she said, this is specific, because she had asked me about the pain, and she said, this is a specific against pain that feels sharp or stabbing. I told her my pain felt like I was being poked with a hot sword. Mm. So, this is also part of it that we experience pain in different ways. 
and the herbs will change that experience. CBD and cannabis certainly have one of the two strong pain-relieving pathways in the brain, and some people react to cannabis by finding great relief from their pain, and some find that it sensitizes them to pain. In the same way, opioids sensitize me to pain, although many people find them as pain relievers. So you want to do some experiment, you know, working up from just heat and how you're thinking about it to actually working with herbs and perhaps considering a few days of some non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. You know, if you want to just take one at a time, just take one at a time. The fact that it says to take two doesn't mean you have to do that. I usually, when I can, I just take one. You don't need to take more than you actually need to relieve the pain and the inflammation so that your body can really get to work healing in an efficient way. Yeah. So, and with that, I'm going to have to say goodbye and green blessings because it's time for us to talk to Tanya Oceana. Bye bye. Green blessings. Green blessings to you. Thank you. Sorry, I thought you were welcome. Thank you. Good night. Is Tanya with us? Yes, she is. Tanya is a Pacific Northwest nature lover and a traditional Western herbalist. After dealing with some health issues in early adulthood, she dove into holistic health, nutrition, and herbalism. Seeing the benefits of that wisdom got her hooked. It's been over 10 years since then, and her thirst for knowledge continues. Tanya Oceana wants everyone to remember that your body's on your side. It's built to heal, and it's communicating with you all the time. I listen, and I dare to heal. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Hi there. Hey. When I uh, talked about you at the very beginning of the show, I read through your little list of the topics that you would enjoy talking about uh, so that people could kind of chime in during the show. Uh, if there was any particular thing that they were interested in. Of course, I wanted to know about the underrated herbs. And uh, at least one person said they were interested in herbs to help quit smoking. So, um, again, welcome to the show. And what is it that you most want to talk about tonight? Yes, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Um So I want to talk about a few things, but I recently gave a little class about herbs to quit smoking, so that might be a great place to start. Let's jump in there. So uh, it is a new year, so I have a lot of people asking about ways to quit tobacco. Uh, And it sounds like from a previous um, question, I don't think that all tobacco is bad necessarily. I know that... um, I do kind of consider it a medicinal herb. Um, of course, the you know modern 
cigarettes with all the additives and smoking in general can not be the best. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of ways to kind of get around or to wean off tobacco cigarettes. Um, I can just jump in to the ones that I've gotten feedback are the most effective. Yes, please do. So I have loved working with uh, Lobelia in particular. I believe one of its um, colloquial names is Indian tobacco. Yes, and let's and be clear, she's talking about Lobelia inflata, not the Lobelia you grow on your deck. Although they oh, are related. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, Lobelia, um, I first came to work with Lobelia because I had, had some asthma and lung issues. Um, and turns out it does a whole bunch of different things, including uh, it attaches to the same part in your brain as nicotine does. So it's really helpful for cravings, specifically for nicotine. Um, and I think it's a little bit underrated for muscle tension. So I think most people are generally smoking. I smoked for a short period of time for relaxation. And I've noticed a lot of people are kind of self-medicating for digestive uh, issues as well. Are you talking about smoking Lobelia Inflata now? Oh, I kind of jumped around. Sorry, I'm talking about hey, I, I just, or tobacco. Are you talking about smoking, about smoking tobacco? I'm a little unclear. So uh, Lobelia, actually, I think it can do a lot of good in a herbal smoking blend. Um, but also it can go in a formula, in a tincture, um, or in a tea, though I'm sure anyone who's tried it knows that it tastes pretty gross. So a uh, little goes a long way in that department. Um, yeah, so I like... So when you were using it, in what form are you using it? So um, I found most people that were quitting tended to go towards the route of slowly weaning off tobacco and found that adding in herbal smoking blends to their tobacco would help kind of slowly decrease the amount of tobacco in their smoking blends um, before ideally quitting later. So um, I have seen a lot of benefit with uh, herbal smoking blends with a little bit of lobelia in the blend. Got it. So a little bit of dried lobelia inflata in with tobacco and maybe corn silk or mullein or any other smoking herb that you want. Oh, yes. Yep, mullein's a great one. Um, a lot of people are really enjoying Dalmiana as well as recently I've been trying uh, blue lotus flower. Have you ever tried smoking that? I haven't. What interesting plant. It's it's one of those that's a little bit magical. Um, I think about it similarly to maybe mugwort in terms of dream stimulation. Nice. Very that's a nice. fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if I've ever seen a blue lotus. Uh, actually, I don't think that they grow in the United States, potentially in the far south. A lot of the times um, we're getting them from India and South Pacific. Got it. Yeah, they're gorgeous little flowers. <laughs> okay, so the primary way that you've seen that people can reliably help themselves quit smoking tobacco is 
to back off slowly a step at a time by first not using pre-rolls and going to roll your own and then adding other things in with the tobacco so that eventually you are smoking less and less tobacco and more and more herbs. Exactly. Um, and that really also preserves the um, the habit part of it, which I think is a, it shouldn't be taken for granted. I think part of the appeal of smoking is that you get to go outside and either be social or have your little alone time. And I think that's part of why it's so difficult just to kind of cold turkey um, take that habit out. So kind of uh, introducing a similar habit uh, I, I've seen be pretty effective. I absolutely agree with you that well, we could call it a habit or we could call it a ritual. That's true. That's very true. Because it is a ritual, and the more we honor it as a ritual, the more benefit we will get from it as a ritual. I definitely agree. And uh, I also love the idea for people who still have tobacco and maybe don't want to smoke it anymore, um, they can feel free to work with herbs and kind of use it as an offering. It's been used um, by indigenous people too. Maybe when you're harvesting or you're trying to learn some of the plants out in the wild, that that's definitely a nice like a kind of spiritual ritual way to use your tobacco instead of just chucking it in the trash. So another way to cut down on the tobacco you smoke is to give some of the tobacco you smoke away. Yes. And give it as an offering to the plants. It is an insecticide. It's wonderful for the plants. Very oh, heavy. yeah. Right? So it might go well in a garden. Well, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I think that tobacco dust might still even be sold. It might what? That you, you, I don't know if you still can, but you used to be able to buy at garden centers tobacco dust oh, used as an insecticide. That okay. That is great to know. So people with um with gardens can use it that way as well. Exactly, exactly. And what I suggest is that they soak it and use it as a spray if they don't want to powder it up. Just yes, like throwing it on the ground probably won't kill any insects yeah. if that's your goal. Right. You have to like get it diffuse enough powdered or in water, some way where it actually like will impact the insects, but it's pretty, you know, good insecticide. It really messes up the insect's nervous system. Yes, um, I also think it smells kind of nice, just raw tobacco. <laughs> so, well, you um, know, my mom smoked all the time she was pregnant with me, and all the time that I was at home. So to me, the smell of tobacco is the smell of love. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I bet you're not the only one. Um, right, definitely it's, a lot more common. It's very sad having you know the smell of love legislated away. I understand public health good, but it's you know I go sidling over to people who are smoking and say, oh, "Can I just stand here and smell for a moment, please?" Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, so, I would like to so tell me about some of the underrated herbs that uh, that you'd like. Yes. Um, um, oh, I'm one sorry. Thing I didn't that I mean to interrupt. Oh, that's okay. 
Uh, when people are smoking, quitting cigarettes i've seen your body does this weird thing which i think it's trying to like clean out old gunk so i've seen some people get a little bit worried because it feels like you maybe have a cold and you start coughing stuff up but the herbs that are generally smoked including mullein and lobelia they actually help to get that crud out so for anyone on that hump just you'll get through it and the herbs will actually help to expectorate that crud out yay <laughs> Let's see. Underrated herbs. Um, well, I'm actually lucky enough in the Pacific Northwest where I'm at to have a ton of hawthorn trees just everywhere. Um, all kinds of bushes and trees and just all sizes, uh, different varieties. Um, and it's a survival food, which I've been getting into. So I would. Yeah, I would uh, tell people if they're looking for an herb, especially, I think it's all across the country, but especially if you're in the Pacific Northwest, uh, you might want to look into Hawthorne. All right, but I certainly wouldn't say that it's underrated. That's true. That's I think true. it's I think it's a wonderful herb. I completely concur with you. As a matter of fact, we talked about it tonight. In, uh, that, um, I always talk about Hawthorne for the aging heart. Um, but like, for instance, I was very surprised when, uh, this woman in Tucson offered me the Mella Lotus because now there's an underrated herb, right? It's now an herb that I use quite a bit, but I had never once thought to really use it before. Yeah. Uh, I heard you talking about that. I'm not familiar with it. Does it, do you know where it grows? Roadsides, it's kind of clover and it's common throughout um, the Pembroke regions, Melalotus officinalis. It's one of those plants that you never heard of before, and now that it's been mentioned, you'll see it all over this year. I'm not familiar with that one, so I am going to look that up and become familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, When I think of uh, underrated herbs, I actually normally think of herbs that, you know, people think, oh, that's a nice herb, chamomile, Oh, talk to us a little bit about chamomile. You know, I have never gotten friendly with chamomile. So chamomile, I I um I feel the same way. Um, I don't necessarily feel relaxed with chamomile. I've actually found more benefit um, as an eye, an anti-inflammatory eye pack. So I'll make chamomile. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I've dealt with um, eye irritations from, I think, allergies and just dry, dusty air. Uh, So, yeah, I was using a lot of eye drops, and then one day I noticed that I have a bunch of chamomile tea bags that I never use. (laughs) Um, And and it worked great. It's Yeah, it really brought down the inflammation, made them feel refreshed. Oh, yay. Oh, how fun. So for some people, I would say especially kids, it's interesting how everyone reacts different. For some people, I do find it to be pretty relaxing. Okay. So, I, you know, one of the things, like, at first that put me off about chamomile was that when I was just reading about herbs and really didn't have anybody that knew anything, and there was hardly anything in the books, too, that there were these two different types of chamomile. And that freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since they seem to be 
I mean, the way people talked about it was that one was okay to use and the other one really wasn't okay at all, and that you couldn't really be sure when you went out on the market to get them which one you were getting. Uh. Oh, wow. You know, and I, you know, I'm a little more relaxed now than I was then. <laughs> but that was enough to make me say, okay, uh, I don't need to know about chamomile. Next. Yeah. I, um, that's kind of one part I like about hawthorn is that there's so many different species that are so similar and they're generally just used interchangeably. So I kind of like those herbs where, you know, if it's not quite the exact one you think it is, it's still just fine. Right, it doesn't really matter with hawthorn. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's actually some uh, – I found a couple. I think they were propagated specifically to be this way, but they were juicy and just delicious, like tiny little peach apples. So, wow. yeah, the variety is great. <laughs> <laughs> I was very impressed. The hawthorn is occasionally found here in the northeast, but not with anywhere near the abandon or abundance that you have there in the Pacific and Northwest, where hawthorn is so happy to just populate mm-hmm. every possible roadside that it can. And I, w- I was amazed at the different flavors and colors and textures. Yes, we're pretty spoiled with Hawthorne out here. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see, what else did you have on your list that you wanted to talk about? Well, before we do that, why don't you tell people where they can get in touch with you and what they might find if they get in touch with you. Yes. So I'm an herbalist in Portland, Oregon. Um, I do a few things at the moment. I do make some herbal products under the brand name Mossy Tonic. Um, I try to use local herbs, organic herbs, wild harvested herbs. Um, And then I also do some one-on-one consultations and educational information under the name Epic Herbalism. Uh, I've got a couple local herb walks and some online classes. So, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying the the one-on-one work with people. I'm sure, well, I guess I'm not sure, but I would ask you, you know, if you feel like that is a really fulfilling area to go into. It varies quite a lot from person to person. You know, one year I got a very strong message that I was to abandon my bedroom and go and live outside. And I do my best to pay attention to those messages and do what I'm told to do, even though it's a little convenient to leave my cozy bedroom and go and live outside. I did. I lived in, you know, a tent. It wasn't the first time I've lived outside, but it had been a while since I had. And I really was a bit of a hermit that year, and I told the apprentices that when people were coming for consultations, that they were to come out to the woods where I was. And more than half the people who came for consultations just turned around and left when they were told that they had to walk into the woods to where I was. And what that did for me was it like sprang that prison gate and I realized I didn't have to do consultations. Okay. I, had actually, I had actually been doing consultations because I thought it was expected of me. I thought that herbalists had to do consultations. 
And then I realized, you don't have to do this, Susan. It's a choice. And I stopped because I really didn't like seeing people. And it wasn't that I didn't like seeing the people. I didn't like that they were late. I didn't like that we had to deal with whatever it was. Mm -hmm. It was unpleasant to me all the time. And after, after some years of that, I circled back around to believing that it was important that the apprentices hear me work with people in case they wanted to do that. And I kind of tossed and turned about how I was going to do that and decided that the way that would be easiest for me would be to answer people's Mm -hmm. questions by phone and then I wouldn't have to worry about their not showing up or being late to their consultation. And that turned into this blog talk show. Because after years of doing that, my daughter said, and you're doing it and it all just goes down the drain. It's not even being recorded. And, of course, the advantage of doing it that way was that if dinner was late, I just didn't answer the phone for the first couple of calls. Mm-hmm. Right. And if there weren't any apprentices here, I didn't have to answer the phone at all since I was doing it for them. So I really gave myself a lot of permission, enough so that I wasn't too grumpy when we segued into the blog show, talk show, where I do have to show up, and I do have to to be there on time every time, and that's okay. I love that. I love that you listen to your intuition, um, and yeah, I would, uh, I love that budding herbalists can hear that there's so many different ways and they, yeah, listening to your intuition is definitely a huge part. Um, and I also enjoy that herbalism seems to be in this kind of renaissance era again. And I think some people, I think when I was a little bit younger, I thought, okay, what am I supposed to do? You know, what are, what are herbalists supposed to do? And now I'm a little bit um, more open to understanding that each individual herbalist is going to be doing something different. Um, but it's just something I've been exploring lately. And I found I really love it for now. But, you know. We all change and grow, so we'll see where it goes. For years and years, I did tarot readings. And then I said to Shushana, I said, Shushana, you know, I'm doing the tarot readings, but I'm not liking it anymore. And she looked at me, and her eyes got very wide, and she said, you must quit immediately. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I love love to hear stories like that. Um, Yeah, intuition is, I mean, I guess I'm calling it intuition. It can have a lot of names, but it's. It's important. Anytime I listen to it, things go well. <laughs> right. Intuition and teachers, good friends and dreams, um, however the information comes in, have we set ourselves up so that we can heed and pay attention to that? I, I like that somebody once said to Jean Houston, so Jean, how do you tell the difference between a shaman and a crazy person? Right, since basically what I just said is, it you know could could you could say wait a second that's crazy Susan, you don't want to pay attention to your dreams and act and do things like that and and Jean had a really succinct answer she said oh the both the crazy person and the shaman have dreams and visions and see things but the shaman 
is always working for the good of the whole and the crazy person is not. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, that intention is super important to be the foundation of what you're going to do with that information. Right. So we have come almost to the end of the show. Was there anything that you really wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to yet? This is our last chance. Yes. Um, I've also been kind of diving into um, holistic contraception options in the last several years. And, um, yeah, I think most women don't know that there are options, so I do love talking about them. Um, I can talk about my own, and then, you know, if anyone, if we don't have time and somebody wants to contact me about it, feel free. I'm also curious about other people, so if you have something that you have found works for people or that you want to share, I'd love to hear that. Um, Does that sound good? Excellent. Um, Go right ahead. Yeah. So uh, something I've been working with that is pretty simple um, and again, I just kind of want to get the word out so people understand that there are more options, uh, is a com- combination of a few different methods. For now, I'm just calling it the trilogy method. And uh, it doesn't rely on taking your temperature because, you know, I think for that you have to have a pretty um, consistent sleep schedule. So it is partly tuning into your body and doing charting. So you create that relationship with your body. Um, you learn how to read the signs that your body's giving you, a fertility. Obviously, I'm talking about people that still have their menstrual cycle. Um, and then, which is a little bit of the modern addition that, to me, gives me peace of mind, is adding in ovulation test strips. Um And then the third part is nice. I'm actually just very simplifying the idea so people can get it in these five minutes. Um, The third part is actually kind of put your own twist on how you want to act during that fertile window. And, uh, yeah, just want to let women know that there are very effective options. And um, it it still surprises me that, you know, over 90%, 95% of Women who are menstruating still have um are still on the pill, so uh even in the herbal community, which I find really interesting, so that's my quick little two cents on a natural method um and yeah, if you have any that you've heard of that are not you know the temperature or the just charting, I would love to hear them. Have you heard that um ascorbic acid is a spermicide? I have not. A thousand milligram tablet of ascorbic acid put in the vagina up near the cervix should dissolve and create an acidic enough environment to kill sperm. That's great information. Um, And what did you say that the dosage was? You usually use a a thousand milligram tablet. A thousand milligram tablet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or you, or capsule, you open up the you know the capsule will eventually dissolve. Yes, and I'm so assuming you have to you have to give it enough time so that it dissolves before there's sperm there. So you'll need to test yeah. it out, right? You'll need to do a, a a trial run 
beforehand so that you know how long ahead of time you need to put that in there and how likely you are to drool it out because that's going to differ from woman to woman. A good consideration to know about. Um, and then that could be used, I'm assuming you would only need that during the fertile window. You would, exactly, you would only need to use that during the fertile window. Yeah, I just I just love telling people because I think the majority of women don't know. You're only fertile for, you know, one day. And then if you want to be careful, you know, let's say three days. Well, I think that that's, you know, a, a nice idea. But speaking as a woman who got pregnant while she was menstruating. That's true. That is true. There is uh, always yeah. an exception to the rule. <laughs> I also, also met a woman who got survive. pregnant. I met a woman who got pregnant three years after her last period. Okay. <laughs> you always have so to we, we, we do just also want to get, you know, a tip of the hat to our wonderful bodies who will have their ways with us no matter what we try to do. I'm always reminded of the Indian woman who said that her favorite method of contraception was the box method. And I said, the box method. She says, yes, they must have family relationships with him standing in a box. And when he gets that look on his eyes, you kick the box. Thank Wait, you. He's, he's you kick okay, the box out from mind. under him, right? It's Got not it. right. <laughs> right. It's a box method. Aw. Anyhow, <laughs> I appreciate your being part of the great reweaving of the healing cloak of the ancients. Tanya Oceana, thank you for all the work that you are doing to help restore herbal medicine to people's medicine and to get people outside and cheering for Mama Earth. Hey, everybody. Hypericum shorts. Make those hypericum shorts. You can do it. It's easy. Just turn your camera around and talk about your relationship with hypericum, whatever you want to say. Sarah Ellen, love you lots. Love you too, Justine. Good night, everybody. Green blessings.